0: How's everybody doing this morning? So good to see you all. So good to have you all in the house today. I see some people I've not met before. I had a chance to meet some new people. And I see some faces back after some vacations. I see some twins down in the second row. hey yo, blue and red plaid right there. Strong work from Mitch and Colin. Strong, strong work. Um, the rest of you, I don't know where you were on that. But we'll get the memos out. And uh, I'm pumped, like literally pumped to get into God's Word today. I don't know where your energy level is at, but where we left off last week was pretty high. Uh, I was actually just very proud of you, the way that you celebrated the eight people that got baptized last week. Like, just, it was, it was full on. It was... Uh, one of the girls sent video home to her, her parents, and her dad was like, that's an energetic group of people right there. And so... Um, so thank you, church, for the way that you celebrated those that made that decision to get baptized last week. And if you saw that, you witnessed that, and you're like, I, I'm going to get baptized, why don't you go ahead at some point this morning, grab the Connect card that is there in the, in the stack of basic, like there's a lot of materials today for you, but in there is a Connect card and you can let us know that you want to get baptized, take that next step in your faith, and we're going to follow up with that, send you a video that uh, I just explain a little bit more what baptism is all about, we're going to help lead you in that next step in your faith. We're excited for that. I'm excited to go to God's word last week of our My Story series. And so this will be the last time I kind of introduce the message this way. We've said this, that that God didn't just wanna save you, free you, and then leave you there. I'm thankful for salvation and forgiveness. It's the greatest thing that we get to experience in this life. And I'm also thankful that God didn't want to leave me there, that he has for every one of you here today a plan to lead you on a journey where you are growing in faith. God is looking at you today and wanting to design your life in a way that will grow and build your faith continually. And that's what this series has been all about. We called it My Story because I was looking out of a number of conversations I had with friends who were either not yet uh, followers of Christ or brand new believers I was hanging out with some friends like that and I found myself so often just telling my own story as I was trying to talk about how to grow faith. And much of the Bible was written that way. It's actually people inspired by the Holy Spirit to just write down their story of how God grew their faith. And so we've talked about five things, the top five things I've seen in my own life that God has used to grow my faith. Because the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to actually please God. And so these are the five things... The first one, week number one, was practical teaching. How when we hear God's word taught in a way that we can wrap our minds around uh, and practically apply, it will grow our faith. Week number two was personal ministry. Come on, everybody say it with me. Say personal ministry. And personal ministry was where it's not just about God doing something in your life. But actually realizing that part of the faith God wants to grow in you, he can only do when you're doing something for somebody else. And we said that's the highest way of living is when you actually are living making a difference in the lives of other people. But not only is it fun and rewarding, God uses that to grow your faith. The third week we talked about impossible miracles. How how anchor points to our faith are those moments where God does something that only God could have have done. And here's a cool follow-up story to that. In that message I I said, what is there that you've given up praying for? And we challenged you to go home and take some time with God and say, God, what are three things that right now seem impossible that you want me to begin praying for? Well, one of the young adults in our church, she she followed up on that. She went home and she thought, well, what do I think is impossible right now? And I'm going to pray specifically about that. And for her, it was that she needed a car. And so on Monday, she went to God and said, God, I'm going to pray for the impossible. Specifically, I need a car. And... This is amazing. Like, she didn't even need persistence. On Tuesday, she got a text message. Let me read it to you verbatim. Well, this might sound a bit crazy, but since we are moving, I was toying with keeping my car or not. And we decided to just go down to one car now. So I would absolutely love to gift it to you if you want it. She goes on, my husband gave away his old car when we moved west a couple of years ago, so it's nothing new, or it's, no, sorry. Uh, so it's a new thing we do now. Happy face, haha. Let me know if you're interested, and I'll let you know some more details. The, and then the rosy, the rosy cheek happy face, the one that's kind of like a little, then that, she did, this person did not know that on Monday she had prayed and asked God for an impossible miracle, which was a car. She gets a text on the Tuesday, some, like, some of us have to persist in prayer sometimes it just goes like that's impossible can we just praise god <laughs> impossible miracles and then uh, in week number four we talked about private devotion how uh, time with god in prayer and in the bible every single day is how god really realigns and reorders our lives and our hearts and so those are the first four weeks this morning i'm i'm excited to close out this series and this morning I want to speak to you on this idea of pivotal relationships. That there is an element of your faith growth that God only brings about through who you're doing life with. There's a portion of the growth that God has for your faith. And remember, growing faith is incredibly important to God. You glorify God when you live with an uh, out-of-the-box, death-defying faith. That's what God wants to grow in you. And so God grows it in you in various ways. But one of the ways is just who you're doing life with. And the Bible talks about this a lot. In fact, in the Old Testament, there's this great uh, uh, story where God reveals how he uses friendship to get two guys from where they are to where he, he wants them to be. And this is a story of a couple guys that we know well. If, you, if you're into the Bible and you know the Bible well, it's, it's guys by the name of David and Jonathan. David and Jonathan. And as you know, with David, David fought Goliath and... After the Goliath fight, he takes down Goliath. He goes back. He's talking to King Saul. And the Bible says this in 1 Samuel 18, verse 1. It says that as soon as David finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And I love the way Samuel says this. Like Samuel could have said, um, they became fast friends or they became best friends forever. But he actually describes... In this whole David and Goliath kind of the, the end of that scene and he's with the king, he actually, Samuel writes down that in behind the scenes, God is doing some knitting. God's just, God, takes, God takes Jonathan and God takes David and he says, I'm gonna need you to get him where I've called him to be and he's gonna need you to get where he's called to be and I'm gonna do some knitting. It's behind the scenes. It's a supernatural work God does in putting their lives together. And this is my story too. God has used people in my life ...to take me from where I was in faith to a place of growing faith. That's my story. In September 2002, I was sitting in Christian Life Assembly in Langley... Uh, in, a, ...in a row down on the, on the side, kind of over here. And all of a sudden, into my row, uh, a room of about 1,400 people... ...into my row walks a guy that I, I grew up kind of around in Ontario. Now, we really didn't like one another back in Ontario. Like, he had a mullet, and I, didn't let, and I had a mullet... And I didn't like the mullet competition, like I, like he had a good mullet, you know, and so I was just, I didn't, I didn't really like him. Um, He also dated a cousin of mine, which I, you know, I didn't, again, I just, I kind of didn't like him, but then he shows up in my row, and I'm like, and God just kind of in that moment started putting our lives together in a really profound way. It was like God doing some knitting, and from there, uh, I was in, in business school, he was studying to become a pastor, and so I would eventually end up working in business downtown, he'd end up as a pastor at Christian Life Assembly, and, and in that season of life, I just felt like I really wanted to serve the vision that God had put in his heart. His name also was Jonathan, just like in this story, and I kind of felt like the roles were reversed. I was going to be like Jonathan to him, and just serve. He just had this great vision of raising up young musicians in our youth ministry, and and he would, he would lead worship at large churches and in conferences. And I just loved being behind the scenes, serving the great vision he had for raising up youth musicians. But then everything kind of flipped on its head about five years later. On a Sunday in June of 2007, I was sitting in the second row of CL8. It was the Sunday night service, which he was then in charge of. And I'm just like, however I can serve and be a part of what he's doing, pray for him. I'm in the second row. Uh, he turns around and he says to me, he says, hey, why don't you, why don't you welcome people to the service tonight? And I was like, that's, I don't think that's a good idea. I've never done anything like that. I'm, I'm not good on a microphone. That's a terrible idea. He's like, no, go ahead. And so I did what Pastor Troy did this morning. I just got up and I oriented people to the service and I prayed a little bit. And, and it was something I kind of felt comfortable doing. And I'd never done it before. It was just someone, because of my, where I was in relationship with him, I, he gave me the opportunity. Fast forward just a couple weeks later, on Canada Day, two thousand seven. 11 years ago today, the lead pastor of Christian Life Assembly came up to me right before the evening service and he said, Hey, would you ever consider leaving business to become a pastor? And I tell that story to say this, your alignment will determine your assignment. Who you are doing life with is going to determine where and how God can use your life. Who you are doing life with is always impacting your faith in one of two directions, either positively or negatively. The people around you are always impacting your faith. It's never neutral. It's towards God or it's away from God. The people around us matter in our lives. And I, even a couple weeks ago, I, was, I spent some time in the States with a group of 104 church planting pastors. And I just, we spend some time online in a small groups uh, every single month and then we get together a few times a year. Why? Just because their faith, their proximity to God, it does something in my heart who you're doing life with is impacting where God is leading you and how he can use you. And we see this in David's life. So in the next few minutes, I want to talk about relationships, four zones of relationships, four ways we interact with the people around us. I want to talk to you this morning about the surface, the mask, the blind spots, and eventually get to talking about the potential. The surface, the mask, the blind spots, and the potential. And you can see it up there on the screen, hopefully this morning. there are, There's four different areas where we interact with people relationally. Now, the surface we know really well. The surface is stuff that you know about yourself that you're okay with other people knowing. This is like your Facebook self. You know it about yourself, and you're okay with other people knowing it. And we spend so much of our lives on the surface. In fact, so much, we really don't need to describe the surface, right? Like, we all know what the surface feels like. Now, the interesting thing about surface living is that it actually takes a lot of energy to live on the surface. We exert a lot of energy trying to keep people from seeing behind the mask. Now, the mask is an important place. The mask is stuff that you know about yourself, but you don't want other people to know. And we've all got the mask, right? We said, I've said this before, you're wearing a mask, I'm wearing a mask, Pastor Troy's wearing a mask, and let's be honest, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like, if you were to walk into Starbucks and the barista was like, how you doing today? And you were to just be like, man, my wife and I are just going through such a tough time and I just don't really know what to do about it. It's like, that's TMI, man. Like, lay back on the information she doesn't need to know. But you do need to have a small group of people in your life That you trust to see behind the mask. David knows this. David lets Jonathan behind the mask. Here's We pick up the story. It's just two chapters later from where we left them off. The start of their friendship. After David's killed Goliath. Now he goes and he starts winning some military conquests. On behalf of Saul. But Saul gets jealous. He's he's like, "I I don't really like this David guy getting all the glory. And so... Saul decides he's going to kill David. So David flees and says he came before Jonathan. And he said, what have I done? What's my guilt? What's my sin before your father that he seeks my life? And Jonathan isn't too sure that his dad wants to kill him. And so he says to David, far from it. You shall not die. Behold, my father does nothing, either great or small, without disclosing it to me. So he's not going to hide this from me. If my dad wanted to kill you, I'd know about it. David's like, I'm not so sure, bro. Like, your dad knows that we're BFFs now. He's seen God knit our lives together, and so he's not going to tell you that he's trying to kill me. Now watch what David says. He says this in verse 3. As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, there is but a step between me and death. So David's the future king of Israel. And future kings should not go around bearing their souls to everybody. Like that's just not really kingly, right? If you're just going around telling everybody, man, I feel like I'm about to die, right? That's the, you're not really on the path to kingship if that's where your heart is at and that's what you're disclosing to all the people around you. But David realizes that even future kings need a group of people that see what's going on behind the mask. He says to Jonathan, he's like, bro, I'm literally like a step away. I'm a foot away from death. I don't know what's going on in your life today. But I know for all of us, there's temptation to mask things and keep us, keep others from getting in and seeing what's going on behind the mask. For you, maybe it's not that that someone would want to kill you. For you, maybe it's that you're trying to mask depression. You wouldn't want people to know. For you, maybe you're trying to mask the fact that you struggle with body image issues. And for you, maybe it's it's that you're really successful, but you wouldn't want people to see that you're... You're always thinking about the fear of failure. For you, uh, maybe there's just, there's something going on in a relationship that you wouldn't want somebody else to know. Maybe for you, it's just a lack of faith. Whatever it is, the devil understands this, that he can keep you stuck if you'll keep it a secret. Because we're only ever gonna be as stuck as our secrets. This is what Proverbs says, Proverbs 23 says, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. David knows he's got to let someone behind the mask. And so there's the surface. There's the mask. But then there's blind spots. Blind spots is what I don't see about myself, but you see in me. And I hate blind spots. Like, I don't, I'd like to think I don't have any, right? Like, it's just no one wants to think they've got blind spots. I want to think I've got it all together, right? Like, anybody else? You hate your blind spots? You just don't even want to think about it? I'm the only one. That's fine. (laughs) It's just like, you're like, bro, TMI, right? Like, just slow down. No, I got blind spots. Recently, Rachel and I were shopping, and um, she walks up to me with a pair of jeans, and she said, babe, I think you should try these jeans on. And I'm like, I got a lot of jeans, babe. I'm doing okay for right now. And she's like, mm, I think you should try these jeans on. And I'm like, no, babe, I got enough jeans. She's like, every time you buy jeans, you buy them one size too big in the waist. It's your skinny guy complex. You think you're bigger than you are. I want you to try on these jeans. She's saying she didn't say it. You know, sometimes you hear things. It's like, she's, it's what she's saying without saying it. You know what I'm talking about, right? Okay, so... I go and I try on the jeans and I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh my goodness, those fit so good. I had a blind spot. I don't want to tell you what size I am because I do have a skinny guy complex, but I was, a, I was buying jeans a size bigger than I needed to be buying jeans. I had a blind spot. I didn't know. I didn't want to know about it. I didn't want to think about it. I had a blind spot in my life and it's, it's the same in all of our lives and in things far more important than jeans. David ends up with a blind spot. So where we left off David and Jonathan, they're like in their 20s because David would become king at 30. Now fast forward another 30 some years. David is in his early 60s and one of his sons declares himself king in place of his father David. And to the place where he actually goes about trying to kill his father. And this is what we ha- happens. We pick it up in 2 Samuel chapter 19 verse 5. Where somebody comes and tells David he's got a blind spot. It's Joab, the commander of his army. And he says, you have today covered with shame the faces of all your servants who have this day saved your life. Here's what happened. David's men go and fight Absalom's men. Absalom is his son who's trying to kill him. And in the midst of the battle, Absalom gets killed. David goes into very public mourning, and understandably, right? Like, even though Absalom wanted him dead, it's still his son. So he goes into public mourning, and and so Joab comes and says, do you understand what you're doing? Like, you're covering, these guys just laid down their life for you. They were willing to die for you, and now you're mourning over your lost son rather than thanking them for what they've done for you. He goes on in verse 6, he says, you love those who hate you. You hate those who love you. You've made it clear today that commanders and servants are nothing to you. For today I know that if Absalom were alive and all of us were dead, then you'd be pleased. Now watch Joab, watch what he says. He says, now therefore arise. He speaks to the blind spot. You need to do something here. He says, go out and speak kindly to your servants. For I swear by the Lord, if you do not go, not a man will stay with you this night. So let me ask you, who is there? in your life that you have given permission to speak to blind spots? Who is there in your life that you've given permission? It doesn't need to be everybody. You don't need a thousand people come, like that would, that's, just, that's not what this is about. We don't show up to church and we're like, you got a blind spot and you got a blind spot and let me tell you what's going on in your blind spot. No, that is not the culture of our church. In fact, if it is the culture of you in our church, I am the pastor and I will shut you down. Win love. Now, it's just because it's a blind spot. But it's why we have small groups. We have small groups because you need someone in your life who sees behind the mask and still loves you. And we have small groups because you need someone in your life that you entrust and you give the responsibility to speak into your blind spots. Now, uh, we're actually, our small groups take a break over the summer, and so our groups are, are going into shutdown mode, but I, as a wise pastor, I believe that I need to be speaking about things long before they come so that we're ready for them. So I'm speaking to our fall small groups launch. Come on, we're a few months in advance. Our, our small groups team, they're crushing it behind the scenes. They are going hard like They're finding new groups. They're developing leaders. They're building our coaching system out. They're just coming up with ways to serve you so that on uh, Sunday, September 9th, it is all in. It's all crazy. It's small groups in the house because every one of us needs a small group of people who love God, who love us, who see behind the mask and still love us, and who in love speak to our blind spots. Now, as your pastor, I also don't want to make you wait a couple months for a next step in community. So we have a next step into community for you right now. So in your seat this morning is a serve day card. You can grab it right now. It's the red one. All throughout the year, church, you are serving people in this community. Every single week, you might not even realize that you're serving people through your generosity or through your hands-on ministry, that we've got our elementary school feeding program that happens every weekend where we send kids home at multiple elementary schools with backpacks full of food to feed their families on weekends. There's ways that you're serving people year round. But once a year, we call everyone in this church to go all in serving our community on Serve Day. This year, it's July 14th. And so here's what I want to invite you to do. There's, we've asked every one of our small groups to participate in a Serve Day activity or to come up with one of their own. so, if you're already part of a small group, you can simply check off that top box that says, I'm going to serve with my group. And if you check off that box today, you know what I noticed, Jane? This is a, um, there's nowhere for us to see who these people are on this card. So um, we're going to go ahead and just get you to write that on the back side of the card. Um, if you just, we're going to need your, uh, your, your name and your email address. Will that be enough? Okay, that's all we need. We'll piece the rest together. We'll just, we'll hunt you on Instagram or something. So if you're going to serve with your group, simply check off the top box that says, I'm going to serve with my group. And our groups, uh, our serve day team will get in touch with you, let you know where your group is serving, when and where to show up. But secondly, if you're not part of a group, here's your community next step. Come on, just dive in and serve with a group of people. Because when we serve side by side, shoulder to shoulder, it just builds community in the house. And so if you're not in a group, you'll see that the next five boxes say uh, the options that you have for how you can be involved in Serve Day. we've got a couple anchor projects that you can be a part of. um, And so just check that off. We're gonna make sure that we manage it so we have the right number of people at each one of those things. So there may be some shifting around, but if you see one of those that you think ...that you'd most likely be into and you're not in a group, go ahead and check that off and just slam us your name. And then what you can do with this card is drop it in our giving in card box... ...which is on your way out of the service today. Sound good? Come on, serve day's coming up. Anybody excited? Parents. Tepid, but okay. Uh, Parents, bring your kids along, right? Like, watching your kids on serve day probably means you're not going to get a lot done on serve day... Uh, But we're okay with that because we just think it's so important that your kids see you serve your neighbors, that your kids see you living out a calling bigger than your own life. We just think that's so great. Give them a broom. Get them to push it around a little bit. Last year, Avia, we gave Avia uh, a little scrub cloth, and we set her loose on a a playground in a townhome complex, and she scrubbed that thing for hours. Like, she did not want to leave. Uh, She wrecked a pair of shoes doing it, but it was just great. Like she just, just wet and messy and, come on, let's just do this, right? Anybody with me? Let's try that again. It's Canada Day. I think some of our applause people are away. Uh, The hype people, the hype, the hype is away. So we've talked about the surface. We've talked about the mask. We've talked about the blind spots. There's one last area to talk about this morning. I wanna talk about your potential. It's the stuff that you don't see in yourself. Nobody else yet sees in you. It's actually the stuff that God alone can see about you. Your potential, your potential. Our God sees and speaks to your potential. It's one of the reasons that we lean in so much in worship around here. Because we have a God who sees the mess behind the mask and he still sees and speaks to your potential. We have a God who knows your blind spots and in love he will call them out, but he still sees and speaks to your potential. It's the reason we're passionate about raising leaders who see the best and speak the best in the people around them. People who can see behind your mask and still love you. People who see the blind spots and in love will call you out of those places. Why do we want to raise up leaders like that to see and speak the best? Well, hear this. First of all, it is not flattery. Flattery is when I say something nice about you that I don't believe, but I say it in order to win your favor. Speaking to your potential is when I can see something that I don't even know if it will ever be true, but I'm going to see it and speak to it because I know what God has done in my life. We have a God that sees and speaks to potential, and we know he does because when Abraham was trying to bring about God's purposes through his own power, God still looked at him and said, I'm going to make you a nation. We have a God that sees and speaks to potential. We know this because Moses was insecure about his stuttering problem. He said, God, I don't want to speak to your people, and God still said, I'm going to use you to lead a nation. Our God sees and speaks to your potential. We know this because David was a shepherd and God looked at him and said, I see a king. We know God sees and speaks to potential because even though Jesus knew Peter was going to deny him, he still looked at him and he said, you're a rock and I'm gonna build my church on you. We have a God that sees the mess behind the mask and he still speaks to your potential. We have a God that sees our blind spots and he still sees and speaks to your potential. And so we lift up hands and worship and we go all in with God because we serve a God who knows it all. And he calls us out of the place we are and he says, you're not yet who I've called you to be. And I see some mess behind the mask and I see some blind spots. But I'm going to still speak to your potential. That's my story. I pray that it's your story. Would you bow your head with me all over the room today? God, we thank you that you can see everything about us. We thank you that you are loving enough to see the tough stuff that needs to change. But in those moments, not bring shame to our lives, but behind the mask, infuse love. We thank you, though, God, that you don't leave us with our blind spots. We thank you that you've put us a part of a community where we can begin to trust people to call us to another level and in love speak to those things. But most of all, we thank you, God, that you see behind it all and you call us to another place. I thank you, God, that there are people in the room who feel like they've messed up and they've gone too far, but today you're speaking to renewed potential. I thank you, God, that in the place today there are people that still can't believe what you're doing through their life today and they would have a hard time even grasping that there could still be more but you're still seeing and speaking to potential god i pray lord that you would lead us on in the house god even as we step into summertime and we just enjoy time away and we we have vacations and we kind of just enjoy ourselves in the summer god would you be raising the faith level in this place, God, that we keep hearing practical teaching, that we would keep pressing into personal ministry, seeing and believing for impossible miracles, in private devotion, maybe it's lakeside devotion in the summer, God, and that we will continue, God, to press into pivotal relationships. We thank you, Jesus, that this is your plan to grow our faith. It's always been your plan to lead us on a journey where you're growing our faith thank you for this in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed and eye closed, maybe you're here this morning and you'd say, you know what, Pastor Shane, I'm I'm far from God today. I don't have a relationship with God. Maybe you've never had a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, never known God forgiving your sins by faith in what Jesus did for you on the cross. Or maybe you've known that at some point in your life, but you know you've walked away from God. And today is a day to say, I'm gonna recommit my life to Jesus Christ. I'm gonna give you an opportunity before we close our service. And we're not gonna center you out or embarrass you because it's just a private moment of faith between you and God. I simply wanna pray for you, but I am gonna ask you in a moment to raise your hand so that you would know you had that moment of decision of saying, today I give my life to Jesus. So if that's you today, you hear and you want to give your life to Jesus and experience God forgiveness and salvation or you'd say I'm coming back to Jesus would you just raise your hand on the count of three today's your day this is your moment one two three would you just shoot your hand up wherever you're at in the room just say yeah pray with me before you close this service yeah so great so great yeah multiple hands up in the room today yeah it's awesome You put your hands down. Thank you. Now, whether you raised your hand today or you wanted to but didn't, but today, if you're making that decision, would you just pray this prayer out? Just repeat this after me and come on, church. Let's pray this all together. Say, Dear Jesus, I give you my life. I choose to follow you and put you first in my life. Because I believe that you died and you rose again so I could be forgiven free, have new potential. Help me follow you. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, can we put our hands together like crazy in this house for those who just made that decision?